Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us at TexasFootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. You can become a subscriber at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. While sitting in the same room for the first time doing this podcast in over a year, Ishmael Johnson. Oh, man. It's been over a year. It's been over a year. uh, It's no longer Zoom, no longer staring at you in your dining room or office or wherever (laughs) you usually do yours. No more me trying to figure out if I'm going to do it in the living room or my room for a different change of scenery. We're here. We're back in the studio. (laughs) We're back. We're back. Well, listen, we still do the ones on the weekends. We'll still have to figure some of that out uh, during the season. But uh, yeah, (laughs) this place looks different. We're in the uh, we're in the studio now, and this is I only came back on Monday for the first time full time yeah. basically since it started. I could have come back earlier, but you know I just had all these interviews with the magazine, which we're putting out right now. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah, we got some Texas logos going around, some graphics. Got we some got a nice decor. Yeah. yeah, got some nice decor. We've got a we got two TVs now on each side of the room. Mm-hmm. We got. Yeah, this is nice. This, this is, is This is really nice. It's almost looking like a real studio. It's now. almost <laughs> looking like a real studio. Well, hopefully, hopefully by the time uh, the season comes around, we're able to do more video content out yeah. of here too. So we even brainstormed. I mean, uh, this might be news to you, or it might not be. Uh, we brainstormed the idea of doing a live uh, Republic football, I, as well I, as I, streaming that. So uh, <laughs> everything's a little always right. Like, oh, we're doing that. Or, right, right, <laughs> but, right. But yes, no, we we definitely <laughs> that is something that we're considering. So you know. If you like the idea, let us know, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's definitely something that we'd be interested in doing maybe at some point. For Obviously, sure. we'll still have the podcast version. Right. You know, that'll that'll still be very much available. I know I'm a podcast guy. I'm not a live show guy. But, Same. You know, it's, uh, it, it's another way to get people to uh, involve with the show. But anyway... We are coming off of semi-hiatus, because obviously, like I mentioned, we're doing the magazine. Mm-hmm. But we have to talk about Sam Houston. Oh, my goodness. So there is a Texas school playing for a national title. Or a Division One yes. national championship for yes. the first time since Colt McCoy and the Texas Longhorns back in 2009? Yeah. 2009 season? 2010, yeah. I think? Yeah, 9-10. Yeah. It's, it's been a hot... No, no, no. That's not true. Wow. Already messing this up. 2012, Sam Houston played for a national oh, title. Oh, yeah. Yes. Jeez. Yes. Good point. Yeah. Good <laughs> but point. But they're looking to become the first Division One team in the state of Texas to win a national championship in football since... Vince Young. Vince Young in yes. 2005, 2006. So, to start things off, yeah. uh, I put up a story today. So, Sam Houston, a couple years ago, they were in the national semis basically every year. I mean, Casey Keeler, the coach over there, has been successful. He's considered one of the 150 greatest coaches in the history of college football. Uh, you know, if he wins this weekend, he can become the winningest uh, FCS postseason head coach of all time, mm. which is it's a pretty big deal. Absolutely. <laughs> pretty big deal. But he kind of four years ago, or I guess three years ago, three and a half, he kind of went to his team and kind of decided to start over and kind of decided, look, if we're going to beat North Dakota State. We're going to beat James Madison. These are teams that cause tremendous problems. Mm-hmm. This is what we have to do. We kind of have to start over. And I mean, look, the last two years going six and five and then seven and five, I, I don't think that's what anybody expected from Sam Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what. I started this job in 2018. Mm-hmm. You hear so much about Sam Houston, Sam Houston. This is the class of the South, and this is you know the class of Texas FCS. Yeah. And they've been downright mediocre. Mm-hmm. We're sitting here now in 2021. Did you expect them to get back to this point? I think I expected them to get back to their level. Yeah. Right? I think I expected them to get back to being the first or second best team in the Southland. Um, and granted, you know, they've been mediocre by their standards as in, but they've always been around, uh, contending, right. For Southland, right. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, always yeah. like, ah, they're finishing third ish. They're kind of in the middle of the pack. I think when, uh, incarnate word won, or I think was one of the better teams in Morris's first year, uh, Sam Houston kind of fell back to like the middle of the pack. Right. Um, but by their standards, they were always running away with this conference. <laughs> yes. And so I thought they would eventually get back to maybe, just being consistently one-two. Right. I did not think they would get to the level to where they were beating North Dakota State or, or, or James Madison and these other teams. Because I'm going to run through since 2014. Yeah. I'm going to run through their playoff losses to these teams. 2014, they go 11-5, 35-3 to North Dakota State in the playoffs. 
Jack, they lose to Jacksonville State 62-10 to in 2015. They go in 2016, 65-7 to to James Madison. 2017, 55-13 in North Dakota State. And these are, again, this is the Jeremiah Briscoe years. These are like the really good, high-octane Phil Longo, who's now the offensive coordinator at UNC. Uh, These are the really high-octane offenses. And and to be clear, this is three straight years of number one overall offense. Yes, 100%. and yeah, and then then you start getting into 2018 where they kind of start to teeter a little bit, you know, more six and five kind of figuring things out. And what we kind of, you know, you kind of go into it with your story a little bit. Those years were him retooling the team. Yeah. Like it's him basically just saying, yeah, that didn't work. So I need to figure something else out. And it was almost like you almost hate to describe it as like a trial by fire, but it was kind of a trial by fire. It's like, we got to rebuild this team. The offense might suffer, but we're going to make this defense better. We're going to get more physical and you know, it's You're going to suffer for a couple of years. We were kind of talking about it off air a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No question. And I mean, the point that I made when, when we were talking off air a little bit is that this was a team. I mean, I, I don't, I don't like to compare different classifications and divisions, but mm-hmm. you know, I think that the analog that you can make is that, the air raid revolution, the spread revolution happened in FCS too, like right. it did in FBS. And we saw, you know, all these offenses were crazy spread offenses, scoring all these points, leading the nation in offense sort of thing. But when you get to the playoffs, especially at this level, mm-hmm. the reason that North Dakota State has won eight of the last nine national championships is not because they do something so amazing schematically. Right. It's not because... They just blow you away with athleticism. The thing that North Dakota State does that nobody else can match up with, except for James Madison sometimes, except for South Dakota State sometimes, is they just out-physical you. Right. And you hear about that sort of thing at the top levels of football, but the reality is the resources are similar at the top of football, Mm -hmm. right? You're not – if you're, you know, insert team – if you're Texas Tech, right? Mm -hmm. The reason that you're losing to Alabama is not because you don't have the capabilities in your program to get the guys where they need to be, right? At the FCS level, you're talking about margins, right? Mm -hmm. You're talking about uh, one of the things that they did to to retool this program, being Sam Houston, is they hired a full-time strength coach and nutritionist that were dedicated specifically to the football program. Mm. That's something that's a given at the highest level of FBS. But that's something that Sam Houston was like, we need to come together. Uh, actually, uh, an interesting note is that Casey Keeler, he gave up part of his salary to help fund the nutritionist position. Mm, he, he actually paid out of his own pockets right. to do that. I mean, that's the sort of stuff that you're not doing at the FBS level. Sure. And, and again, I mean, you know, he, Casey Keeler makes great money for an FCS coach, but sure. it's not, he's not Jimbo. Right, right, right exactly. I mean, it's, 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 it's sizable to, yeah. to give up that kind of money, but that's the kind of investment that they felt like they needed to do. And And the point that I made was that they actually, in some ways, built their team against what people in the Southland were doing. Because mm-hmm. you've got Houston Baptist with Bailey Zappi. You've got Incarnate Word uh, with John Copeland and now Cameron Ward, who we'll get to. You have teams like that that want to throw it all over you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even uh, even uh, Northwestern State, you know, it's uh, the kid from San Antonio, um, Bryce Rivers, I think. Was, yes, was yes, kid. yes. You know, I mean, he threw it all over them to some extent when they played against each other, right? They were willing to give that up because they knew when you're here in the playoffs against James Madison, against North Dakota State, who, by the way, let's play both of them yeah. just to get to the title game. Mm-hmm. These are the, nine, the last nine national championships combined in these last two games. But it's worth it when you get to this point to have a team that is ready to play against that, mm-hmm. to have the ability to bring another linebacker that you can move on to the field, even if that linebacker is getting blown up right. when you're playing against the Carnet Word. Yeah, I was about to say, like, those three three linebacker packages, right, aren't, aren't going <laughs> to win you many uh, – Win you many fa- uh, favors in the uh, in the Southland when you're right. trying to ha- ask them to cover a slot receiver or something like that. But when you're playing North Dakota State, when you're playing James Madison, who line up you know a blocking tight end, they <laughs> line up uh, you know they don't line up three wide as much. They don't right. line up in shotgun as much. They are a lot more physical. I mean, you see it. I mean, James Madison's a, I, th- I think is a good example of what Sam Houston's doing because 
I knew a little bit about their run before they kind of uh, won the national title uh, because, of, of course, Everett Withers was there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Their biggest thing, their biggest issue under Everett Withers was the same issue that Sam Houston was doing. Right. They had a great offense. They had a very uh, kind of a power spread, uh, of course, because Withers came from that Urban Meyer tree. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of ran a similar version to that, and they had they were all about tempo. They were all about points. They were all about yards, and they were exciting. They had, I want to say – uh, up with Sam Houston with one of the top offenses in the country over Everweather's couple years there. But they always got beat because their defense just could not keep up and their defense could not stop teams. Mike Houston goes in and all of a sudden fixes that up. Def- he knew they had talent on offense. He's like, that's going to be a given, right? We're just not going to go NASCAR full speed tempo. We're going to sure up that defense. And what happened? They win a national title, right? Like it shows that. It was a good point about your your kind of like that you mentioned the kind of the revolution, right? Because of course that was the time where everybody was doing tempo. Everybody right. wanted to, everybody wanted to go NASCAR, NASCAR. Everybody had that package, um, and you see kind of nationwide tempo's really not a thing anymore, right? Right? Oregon's gone, right? And at least that incarnation of what we know as Oregon is gone. Um, you see some teams doing it, but they're not. You don't see the hurry up offense anymore because they realized, okay. I'm not saying you can't win that way, right? Obviously, Oregon built a brand on that, and that's something that they can take. But they know when it comes down to it, you're going to run into a team you know, at the FBS level like a Bama, at the FCS level like a North Dakota State, who just know how to drive. <laughs> and they know how to grind you down. And you're not all, the other thing was you're not always going to score. And that's the biggest thing that I think Sam Houston realized was like, we're not always going to score. <laughs> we're right. going to run up against a good defense eventually. And so they have to hold their own in many different facets. And so... Um, as much as I love that era of football, I think it'll be a really cool, like in, in 10 years, 15 years, it'll be a really cool uh, look back on like when everybody was obsessed with tempo. and now, But now, you know, it's part of the analytics wave too. People are obsessed with points per play, points right. per drive, right? It's not just about, well, we got to run as many plays as possible. It's like, oh no, we got to run the right plays, right? You got to right. run like, you got to set things up. It's not just about wearing defenses down. Yeah, and I, I was talking to a coach uh, a while back who's known for tempo. Like that mm. was his thing when he came out. Yeah. And one thing that he said is that tempo's great, but one thing that's even better in some ways is the ability to simulate tempo. Sure. Is the ability to, you know, one thing that you see a lot is you see teams running to the line and stopping mm. and then looking to the sidelines right. and saying, are we going to make an adjustment? Are we going to go? And mm. sometimes you play that play, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you run the line and you play that play. Yeah. The defense doesn't know the difference. Mm-hmm. The defense also in those moments, if you hurry up to the line, it's still difficult for them to substitute. Sure, 100%. Right? And so that's kind of the counter wave of it now is you have these teams that play fast sometimes, mm-hmm. simulate it sometimes. They want the defense to have to account for both ways. And, you know, and moving back to Sam Houston a little bit, I mean, this is still a potent offense. Mm-hmm. They finished right. top 10 in the nation in total offense per game, right? I mean, we're not, we're not giving up anything sure. offensively if you're Sam Houston. But one thing that I did know is that they ended up dropping about 10 plays per game between 2017 and 2020. Mm. So this is, this is a long-term trend, right? This is a decision. Yeah. That, that's something when they brought in Ryan Cardi uh, as offensive coordinator. They wanted to slow things down. So with that said... Let's take one second and take people through this team a little bit. People yes. who might be watching on Sunday and not know a whole lot about Sam Houston. So when you watch Sam Houston, what's kind of the first thing that jumps out at you? Uh, it's To me, it's the quarterback play because it's been a while. We, we, I mentioned Jeremiah Briscoe a couple, a couple minutes ago. It's been a while. They've been looking for that quarterback. Yeah, and, right? and for people who don't know, Jeremiah Briscoe, two-time winner of the Walter Payton Award as the basically the FCS Heisman. Yes, and so they've been looking for a replacement for him, right? Obviously, they weren't looking for somebody to replicate exactly what they were doing because they were trying to adjust a little bit on the offense. But I, I think they brought in like Mike Dare a couple years ago from Rutgers. He tried toying with a little bit. Last year, they kind of finally fixated on Eric Schmidt. And... For high school fans, yes, the, the name sounds familiar, right? Former <laughs> Woodlands quarterback who led them to a state uh, state championship appearance um, against a very good West Lake, uh, Lake Travis team, I should say. He's exactly what they need. He isn't the guy that's going to – he's not going to put up the Briscoe numbers, right? He's not going to put up 400, 500 yards a game. He's going to put up – but what he's going to be is he's going to be accurate. He's not going to turn the ball over. 
And I think, well, we can get into the James Madison game. I think that's what was a little shocking about the James Madison game. It was the first time all year where I thought he looked a little shook. Yeah. And coming in, even as a freshman, now he's a junior, even when he played a little bit as a freshman, he looked like the game was not too fast for him, right? He's, it's, he's one of the guys who can clearly process everything going on. And when you have, when you're Sam Houston and you have weapons, right? You have guys like uh, uh, Jaquez Ezzard or like uh, last year, I'm forgetting the guy's name last year, um, but they've always had receivers basically is what I'm trying to say. You just need a guy who's really good at distributing. Yeah. And last year, I think they found that with Eric Schmidt. And this year, he's taken that to the next level saying, okay, I'm no longer the guy just distributing to good playmakers. I'm the guy leading this offense. I'm the guy piloting uh, uh, what, what's kind of going on here. Um, Ty Brock was the other quarterback that they threw out yes, that they tried yes, to throw yes. out. But uh, I'm trying to find Nathan Stewart. That was a receiver last year. Yes. Nathan Stewart was a, I believe he was a, a All-American as well. And mm-hmm. so, like, again, they had this, they had this talent, but they could not find a running back or a quarterback to get them the ball. Um, and now they have, and look what's happened. Like they have this, they have a defense now, they have a consistent quarterback now and they're playing for a national title. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and so for me, I go back to that 2017 team. They ranked number 102 in rush defense mm. this year. They're number eight. Whew. And, and actually last year they were number one. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is, this is just a, okay, well you still had to play North Dakota state. You had to play Monmouth. You had to play James Madison. I sure. mean, they were top five before that. Yeah. So this is a team that has gotten very beefy up front. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a guy for people to know on the defensive line is Jahari K. Mm-hmm. That guy is an all-American type defensive lineman, just causes all sorts of havoc. Uh, a, another guy who was really great last year, this year has been a little bit more of a, a rotation player, is Trace Mascaro. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a kid who started Refugio. at UTEP, yeah. uh, ended up moving down a level, ended up being a tremendous, tremendous player for them. And in a similar vein, Joseph Waltz, who was a kid from Texas Tech, mm. who then moved down. He actually started 10 games for Texas Tech, ended up moving down a level. I mean, and, and now he gets to play for a championship, right? Mm-hmm. So these are three guys who could have played FBS football easily. 100%. You know, and, and now you have a guy like that on your defensive line, and you mix it in with some of these guys, that linebacker that you have. You mix it in with some of these guys in the defensive backfield. Uh, one kid I, I know that uh, that high school fans will be familiar with is your second-leading tackler, Bla- Braden Clopton. Yes. And oh, my so, gosh. Yeah. Shout-out Gunner. <laughs> Shout-out Gunner. And so they've just found these guys, right? Yeah, I mean, the McCollum. McCollum yeah, I was about to say, yeah, yeah Zion and Tristan McCollum. But, like, it's, it's Sam Houston, and I know one of the guys um, – on the recruiting staff, they do a fantastic job. Yeah. Like they, uh, I kind of love talking to them about just the process and what they look for in a kid and things like that. Um, because I think they ran across, I forgot the guy's name that it was one, it was somebody on one of our, um, um, uh, uh, uh on our list of like, uh, gems, Herbisek. I think it was Zach Herbisek from Troy. Oh yes, um, yes, I think yes. that's how you pronounce his name. Yes. But it was like, I just talked, I was like, how'd you guys like, How'd you guys find him, right? Because like we knew about him, right? Right, and it's a guy, it's one of those guys where you watch him. You're like, there's a kid who can dominate, who can play, and like Sam Houston just snags him. There's a lot of guys like that. Where like if you're a high school fan, you watch, you look at that roster, you're like, oh yeah, that's what happened to so and so. That's awesome. Like you know, it's it's really really interesting. I mean, Eric Schmidt's one of those guys, yeah. right? Where you're like, man, he was great for the Woodlands. Oh, he's leading them to a national title now, right? You mentioned, we mentioned the McCollum brothers. You mentioned Braden Clopton. Like, it's just one of those guys where you're like, oh yeah, that's a 3A kid who was, seemed maybe undersized to, you know, get to a big level. And Sam Houston's like, yeah, we can work with that. It's like, well, we can develop him into a starting contributor on an FCS powerhouse. And it's really cool. They're, they're recruiting. They've done an insane job and they've always done a really good job with that. They know, They've been able to even, like, there's some guys on here where you're like, why isn't this guy playing, you know, maybe mm. FBS level? And they'll get him down. And it's like, you know what? They can play for us. And they're attractive enough to be able to prime away from uh, maybe group of five FBS programs. Okay. Now let's go ahead and look forward to this weekend. So we got South Dakota State coming to town. Uh, I will say, James Madison was the number one seed in the rankings mm-hmm. heading into the turn. Not number one seed. The number one team Overall in the team, yes. Right. In the polls. Now they play against South Dakota State, who was not the number one team in the, in the rankings, but was the number one overall seed per the committee. Mm-hmm. So I think the and look, a lot of this was built on South Dakota State went and beat North Dakota State by 10 points. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't watch the game, uh, the, the Sam Houston versus North Dakota State game, the scoreboard ended up pretty close. Sure. It was 24-20, I think, was the final. Right. But I think that anybody who watched the game 
they know that you know it was it was two special teams mistakes that kind mm. of ended up causing all those points. I mean, Sam Houston's defense gave up a total of three points mm-hmm. against North Dakota State. Yeah, I would argue they again they went and beat the last nine national champions in the last two weeks, along with Monmouth, who was a legit top ten team. Mm-hmm. I would argue that we have not seen Sam Houston play a good game as yet from their perspective. Yeah. I, I think that no, they've been they've been they've done more than enough. Right, exactly. They've won, but you know, they haven't looked great. Yeah. I I would argue that they have not played their best game. And now you have South Dakota State coming to Frisco, Texas mm-hmm. in May. I don't know. I I think that everything is kind of lining up right now for Sam Houston to win this game. Yeah, I'm wondering because I feel like this I feel like we're not going to see You mentioned that you know they haven't they haven't played necessarily their best game. I still don't think we're going to see that. Sure. Because South Dakota State's defense is really good. Yeah. There's also the case, you know, that South Dakota State's road hasn't been as hard. No. So like, you know, the best team they played was Delaware. Delaware was fine. Right? I would, you know, I definitely count the 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 resume in Sam Houston's favor, and even going across the course of the season, I would count the resume in, in Sam Houston's favor. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I I feel like South Dakota State's defense is good enough to make this another game where I don't want to say it's not going to get like James Madison, where you know Sam Houston's down however many points and has to mount a <laughs> right, comeback. Right. But I mean, would twenty one seventeen shock you? With twenty one ten shock, you know, like it feels like that type of game is coming up, and I feel like, I feel like we're gonna leave that. We're gonna leave the play if if Sam Houston does win, which I w- I, I would pick them to win personally. Um, I think we're gonna be like, man, they didn't look great, and they still got it done. <laughs> like you know, I, that's what I feel like we're gonna be looking at um, if they do pull this off, because I just feel like South Dakota State is good, their defense is good enough to make things a little bit more uncomfortable, just like Sam Houston offense has been. Uh, uh, was against James Madison, not to the same extent, but you know, struggle a little bit maybe in the beginning. Eric Schmidt maybe needs to get his footing going a little bit, things like that. Yeah, and so something to note: South Dakota State, number three ranked scoring defense in America. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, this is a team that, again, throughout the season, has held teams underwater. Yeah. I, I mean, the most. Points- I was about to say, like their 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 resume isn't great, but they've dominated. Right. Like their resume, <laughs> aside right. from I think North Dakota was their only yeah. loss. So. But- so just just so people know. So they played against North Dakota early. They lost 28-17. This was mm-hmm. the second game of the year. That's kind of why they fell down the rankings a little bit for a while. Right. Uh, only beat Northern Iowa 24-20. to Crushed Western Illinois, who's not very good. Beat Youngstown State 19-17, who's a decent team. Uh, beat Southern Illinois, who was the team that beat North Dakota State mm-hmm. to start the year, 44-3. And then beat North Dakota State by 10 points. And then even in the playoffs... Last week against Delaware, now I, I think that Delaware is not the kind of team that you'd usually play in the national semifinals. Sure. I don't think that they were that kind of quality, but they beat them 33-3. to three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, and even even you look at Holy Cross, who they played in the first round, 31-3. to three. Mm-hmm. So they've beaten up teams, mm-hmm. which Sam Houston has not done. Now, they right. haven't played a team that's bad enough to beat up, I don't think either. Sure. But, uh, but you know, this is a team in South Dakota State that's done a good job of holding teams underwater. So if you're... If you're Sam Houston, how many points do you think that you have to hold South Dakota Ooh. to to feel good that you're going to win the game? I'm going to say 21. Yeah, I think if they can hold South Dakota, if they can hold South Dakota to say 21, I think they can win because even again, even when Sam Houston's offense quote unquote struggles, right? They have that rebound factor, right? They have that um, what kind of is uh, Casey Keeler kind of you know, said it last week where it was like, they, they, they have the, they have the composure, I should say. Right. Right. Or even if they're trailing like they were last week, they know, okay, let's just get one. Let's just get two. Right. That's literally what he was saying at halftime was like, let's just get one, two, three touchdowns here and there, come back one point at a time. And I think they have the offense to do that. And I think they have the defense to keep them in it. Yeah. Right. They're not going to get I don't think they're going to get blown out. Right. Last week was them getting blown out and it didn't matter. <laughs> right. Um, right. And I think they have the offense to win this 30, 21, 28, 21, 24, 21. Right. I feel like if if South Dakota State, OK, starts to get a little bit more, then I'm a little bit concerned because their offense is fine. Right. Their offense isn't the best. South Dakota State's. I mean, um, they're a defensive team and I think they'd be able to weather the storm if they can hold them to under 24. 
Yeah, the thing that I'll point to probably more than anything is that we've talked about it. This Sam Houston team defensively is built to stop the run. Yes. They are somewhat, not not super, but they are somewhat susceptible to the pass. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we saw that in the first game of the season when they played against uh when they played against Cole Kelly in southeastern Louisiana. Mm. You know, Cole Kelly had arguably his best game of the season. Mm. Well, now you go against uh, the South Dakota State team, and this South Dakota State team, they are not passing the ball to the level even of James Madison, I'd argue. Sure. Uh, I'm trying to find the their passing offense ranking right now, and I'm struggling to do that because... I think their quarterback's 17th in the country in, in yards, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah in, in passing yards, so that's something. I don't know. You know yeah, I don't know yeah. But, team, but, you know, but... that's obviously also... They played more games than everybody else, sure. too. So, Fair I mean, it, yeah. Anyway, th- th- that's beside the point. But they're... Oh, they're 65. They're, they're ranked 65 out of 97 teams that have played this spring in passing offense. And freshman quarterback. Yes, freshman quarterback. <laughs> that's, that's always a factor. 176.8 passing yards per game. Um, you know they're they're fine. It's fine. They, they are efficient. Yeah, right. They are sure. efficient. But I think that I think that to beat Sam Houston, passing the ball, you need to be more than efficient. Uh, we saw that against North Dakota State. North mm-hmm. Dakota State's quarterback, another freshman, basically again got held underwater. You know, had his hell, head held in the toilet, mm-hmm. and and Sam <laughs> Houston, like, you're not did, winning this game. You right. know, you're gonna have to find somebody else, kid. <laughs> right. And and they did that while stacking the box yeah you know when they were playing single man coverage mm-hmm. right i mean that's that's the sort of thing that they were able to do against north dakota state and and i think south dakota state is a little better in the passing game uh than north dakota state was mm-hmm. i mean north dakota state switched out quarterbacks a couple, a couple times a season you right know? south dakota state was pretty consistent they're, they're they're the guy they were hoping for went uh third over on the draft like <laughs> <laughs> like it's not they were they were right. scrambling a little bit <laughs> right right and so I think that I, I think that you're right. I think that if they can hold South Dakota State to 21, uh, I mean, I, I think that you can make the argument that this is the best overall defense that they've played so far. 100. Um, you know, and and so I think that it might take a special teams play. It might take a turnover for that to happen. But I also think if you're Sam Houston, I, I almost compare it to to watching Steph Curry. Right, mm-hmm. you're waiting for the onslaught. Right, you you know it's coming. You mm-hmm. want to have a big enough lead against Sam Houston that you can withstand it but you know it's coming yeah right and uh i mean hell james madison thought that they had a big enough lead and then jaquez's art happened right right <laughs> i mean that's going to happen at least once in this game mm-hmm. i mean you're not going to hold Sam houston at three points right right uh and again i mean it is it is going to be hot outside right it's going to be in the 80s this is not a team in south dakota state that can prep to play in that weather mm-hmm. uh you know usually this is coming down to one well, in south dakota state i don't even think has won a, a national title so i don't want to say they're used to coming down to frisco but you know sure. these teams from the dakotas are used to coming down to frisco november december right yeah. november december january january yeah and so it's you know i mean it's it's obviously warmer than it is there but it's not it's not warm yep so I think this will be a really good game. I mean, I think that this could be, I, again, like an all-time sort of a national title game. And um, look, it might not be the most aesthetically pleasing game. I sure. Think. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, this is this might be a pretty ugly game. <laughs> but uh, but again, I do believe. Let me check on that. I do believe that South Dakota State has not ever won a national championship. So one way or another, we are going to see a first-time national champion at the FCS level. I mean, Sam Houston has. Um, NIA or whatever the their national title is from the 60s but sure. you know at the FCS NCAA level we have not seen either of these two teams win a national championship so it's going to be pretty cool to see that let's uh let's take a step back now for a second so heading back to the regular season another kid from the FCS ranks who I oh mean he was he was probably the star of the FCS season Cameron Ward at Incarnate Ooh. Ward so last year yeah <laughs> Sean Copeland you know, a former Argyle star, really, really good player. We kind of expected him to be this four-year starter, right? And all of a sudden, he enters the transfer portal. Yeah. And look, I we obviously don't know all the context of all of that. I mean, you know, people do that for all sorts of reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, look, I think that he probably saw Bailey Zappi, too, and was like, man, that kid's moving to Western Kentucky. I'll give you me know? some of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. So they bring in a, a true freshman. Yeah. A true freshman. Cameron Ward. And all he does is throw for 2,260 yards, yeah. 24 touchdowns, four interceptions, complete 60% of his passes in a six-game season. Pretty good. <laughs> That's nearly He's 400 yards per game. He's pretty good. I think the, the, the crazy, to me, the crazy thing about this is 
coming out of high school, mm. he was good. Yeah. He was pretty – he didn't throw for, like, a lot of yards in high school. I think he, like, threw for 2,000 yards over his junior, senior year. Yeah. Like, it was, like, 1,000 each year. Like, it wasn't like he's a passer. He was, he was a dual-threat kind of guy that you kind of, you know, you kind of saw uh, uh, West Columbia kind of utilizing, like – or Columbia, I should say um, – Kind of utilizing his his athleticism to kind of be a dual threat. You right. know, we're going to generate a lot of uh, uh, quarterback design runs and things like that. It was kind of like you know a typical high school athlete uh, who happens to be able to throw the ball a little bit. And then all of a sudden, he's just like this like insanely good, just like FCS quarterback who happens to run a little bit. Like I don't know, like <laughs> he just turns it around. Like I don't think I don't know the job that uh, Eric Morris did with him is sensational because again doing it as a true freshman like literally just 2019 last year he was doing that thing i was just saying where it's like (laughs) yeah we're gonna you know qb power all four downs you know (laughs) like it was that kind of thing um i don't know and then for him you know we kind of had some question marks about you uh incarnate word when we heard when we saw that john copeland was transferring he hadn't been excellent i think he set a high standard for his his freshman year and he kind of i don't say plateaued but i don't think he really kept that exponential trajectory going right but still we thought okay well who are they going to get now like you know they're they're this year's going to be a little weird for them mm. and they just got this dude with a big arm like and and athleticism and yeah they're fine yeah <laughs> they are fine so so cory hoger small college guy was telling me a little bit uh, he was talking to eric morris and he said that eric morris said he saw something in him right away at the high school level and was like this is a kid who's being underutilized really? and nobody sees it but me. Interesting. Okay. And so apparently he waited a while to give out an offer because he didn't want people to know. Oh. And so um, be like, Ooh, who's the, who's right. the former tech offensive coordinator seeing? Yeah. <laughs> right. And so again, he comes in here immediately, immediately one of the best quarterbacks in the entire, uh, all of FCS I yeah. mean, in, in a six game season. So, Listen, I think that after last year, right, that first year for Incarnate Word was such a good year for them. Last year was a mixed bag, to say the least. Yeah. And, I mean, they they got back into the top 25. They got back to competing for a playoff spot. You know, I mean, until until they played Sam Houston late, I mean, they were in the running for a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. So, And if this was a 24-team playoff instead of a 16-team playoff, maybe they get in. Sure. Right? So... I mean, it's the future is bright for Cameron Ward, and and I'm really excited to get to see him play in a in a full 11 game FCS season. So, let's close with this. So, it's obviously been a little while since we recorded. Yes. So the NFL draft happened. Uh, lots and lots of Texas kids picked in the in the first couple of rounds. Only so so this was a little interesting. I know that there's been a lot of discourse about uh, the Big 12 and and uh, the first round. Sure. From your perspective, is that any is that anything? it's anything in the sense that i mean nothing that we don't already know right right that oklahoma's leading the pack in the big 12 right they're developing their players better than anyone else and they're translating to the nfl and texas has been underachieving tcu's been less than stellar but it's no i was gonna say uh tcu's actually still pumped out nfl talent but still can't win more than six games (laughs) yeah (laughs) because that was i remember when that happened a couple years ago it was two years ago i think when we're just like how many games does this team win like they had like four top 75 picks (laughs) right and i was like wait what happened here but so that happened again um I mean, I don't think it's anything that we did that we didn't already know, right? Oklahoma and everybody else, right? And you know, that's translated to results and through the NFL draft. Yeah, I think that this is. I mean, look, I can I can have a conversation all day about Big Twelve, all this and that, but oh yeah, I think that you look at the first round, especially right, mm-hmm. and you see a lot of team names that look familiar. I, I think that when you look at the first round, especially, I mean. The exceptions are obviously those quarterbacks at the top, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. Yes. Um, you know, I think a quarterback can certainly play their way up. Mm-hmm. But, like, especially in a year like this where you ba- you basically don't have small college kids entering the draft because they're playing in the spring, right? I mean, there was the whole there was the whole Deion Sanders thing of, like, man, these kids were good enough to be drafted that I coached again. Well, none of them declared. They played against you this spring. Right, right, right. right, you know, right, I mean, this, right. This, this isn't part of it, right? None yeah. of the kids on Sam Houston, uh, you know, I mean, Jaquez Zard could have gotten drafted. You know, he decided to play for a title instead. Sure. Um, you know, so that's why. And and so I think that and then on top of that you have limited seasons, you don't have uh you don't have pro days that everybody's traveling to, you don't have a combine. I mean, I think that in this year especially, it makes perfect sense why you look back and 
out of these top 30 kids who were drafted, I mean, how many of them were four and five star kids, right? Mm-hmm. They've got the measurables. Right. And they have the verified measurables is the other part of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and look, I think that you look at the Big 12, it's obviously one the smallest conference out of all the Power Five conferences. You know, everybody compares 10 versus 14 in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing about it, too, is that, yeah, I mean, the reason that the SEC pu- uh, puts out so much talent is because the Big 12 has Texas and Oklahoma, who are those top-end recruiters. The SEC has, like, four of those, right, or yeah. five of those. And even the, you know, the the Big 10 has three or four of those. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think that you could compare it to the ACC, right? I mean, like, it's mostly Clemson. It's mostly Clemson. I mean, Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech gets drafted. Uh, the kid from Miami, uh, General Phillips, who was a transfer, by the way, you know, he gets drafted. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's mostly Clemson, right? right? Right. You know, I mean, so sometimes I just think that we overthink this so much of like, oh, well, you know, I'd almost be more curious to see like uh, out relative to sort of the way that they recruited who's doing the best. I mean, I think that TCU is clearly one of those teams, right? That, that's putting out uh, NFL talent at a much higher rate than they recruit NFL level talent in. So mm-hmm. anyway, anyway, that's that's another soapbox for another <laughs> day. But uh so you get three Texans in the first round of the NFL draft, one from a Texas college. So you got Jalen Wall at number six. Uh, he played at Bel Air Episcopal. At number 13, Rashawn Slater. How do you get out of Fort Bend Clements to Northwestern? Mm. Oh, man. Smart kid, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently so. And then uh, and then with the 28th pick, Peyton Turner, the defensive end from Houston, from Houston Westside. Yeah. Were you surprised to see Ta- uh, Peyton Turner go in the first round? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um yeah, I, I, I don't know if I liked that move, um, <laughs> especially because, like, people were comparing it to Marcus Davenport. who, I mean, who haven't, Same team. Yeah, same team who hasn't worked out at, at, in New Orleans. So a lot of people were like, oh, they, they're they probably going to cut Marcus Davenport and bring in, Mark, and bring in Marcus Davenport. Like, <laughs> um, because Peyton Turner is clearly talented, but that's a reach. So, so First here's, round is a reach. Here's the thing that I'll say, right, is yeah. that Marcus Davenport to me was – always like man he he developed physically so mm-hmm. well right i mean at utsa he he developed into something that nobody saw coming he yeah. added so much weight sure with peyton turner it's funny because i you know peyton turner was the dude all season long i'm like you got to watch peyton turner mm-hmm. right like he, nobody's paying attention to peyton turner he's the best defensive lineman in the state yeah. uh <laughs> and then you know then he goes first round it's like right. oh oh okay <laughs> but the thing i don't say about peyton turner is I think that he's better at football right now than Marcus Davenport was when he came out. Sure. I think that he uses his hands well. Mm-hmm. I think he positions well. I think he's more versatile. The one question that I probably have about Peyton Turner is what exactly does New Orleans want to do with him? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do they see him? I, I mean, look, I'm not an NFL scheme guy. Do you, do you know whether the Saints play three or four up front? Oh, I do not. I don't even know their defense coordinators. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, I'm not an NFL guy. But, you know, so I, I think that – He's not going to be like a speed edge rusher, sure, right? Sure, sure. Like that's that's kind of not his deal. I, I think that he's probably best used in a in an odd front as the end, right? Mm-hmm. As like a ceiling end who then can also get after the running back. Okay, um, you know, so it'll be interesting to kind of see how how New Orleans kind of kind of uses him. The next uh, the next Texas kid taken up was Levi Onwuzurike from Washington, who played at Allen. Then another Texas college kid, Trevon Merrig, who apparently had. A back issue? Yes. So that was a lot of people were asking why he's dropping, why he's dropping. Because, I mean, he obviously fell to the second round, uh, mid-second round. And, yeah, uh, Ian Rappaport tweeted out um, that he had a back injury that scared some teams. He's reassured uh, people that he's okay, but I do know that raised some red flags with teams. And so that's why he actually fell. Um, Which, I mean, still, the Raiders got a great pick. No, yeah. I thought that he, at the time he was the best defensive back still on the board. Easily. Um, best player, I'd argue. Probably. And so, yeah, but there was some there was some a uh, little bit more to that than just they don't like Trayvon Merrick. <laughs> right, right. So looking at this list, who's one guy that you thought that, that you like uh, where they ended up and one that you thought that was maybe overdrafted? Ooh, that's an interesting one. One that I like. Actually, hmm, let me give you let me give you two that I like. Okay. I love Jalen Darden to Tampa. <laughs> I love that move a lot. Yeah. Because, oh boy, is there one quarterback that needs him some slot receivers? <laughs> and my God, did he pick up a damn good slot receiver. Um, I don't know if it'll happen this year. I think I, th- I think he has the talent to emerge as like an underrated guy this year. Um, but 
I can't believe they let Tom Brady have Jalen Darden. <laughs> I really can't. He's like, wait, this guy's fast, and he, he, I don't have to throw more than five yards. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, and, and one thing, one thing to add on that: Chris Godwin's on the franchise tag, right? Yeah, and so probably. I mean, there's there might be an opening there, yeah. quick, <laughs> right? Right. That's what you think. So uh, the other one, I it might have been a little high, but I like the spot. I like Kellen Mond to Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, because. I like that. Here's a because I'm gonna pull a Chris Collinsworth. Here's a guy who uh, who knows how. What what is Kellen Mond? He's a quarterback who you shouldn't ask too much of, who can play a particular system and play that system well. Right? He comes from a very complex scheme under Jimbo Fisher, who's you know it's notoriously very hard on quarterbacks. He goes to a system where he's going to be, uh, I think Clint Kubiak is our offensive coordinator. He's going to be running a zone running scheme where they're, they're quarterbacks ter- uh, secondary in that offense, right? Mm-hmm. They want to run the ball. And they want to run the ball and run play action and do a lot of, get him moving. That's going to be a system he can thrive in, right? I'm not saying he's going to bench Kirk Cousins, but I am going to say that Kirk Cousins, and no one's scared of Kirk Cousins on the play action in the right. rollout. Right. And so... I think Minnesota realized they're at ultimatum with Kirk Cousins, right? I don't know if we'll see Kellen Mond this year. I doubt it. Actually, I wouldn't say I would doubt it. I would say it will. It probably won't happen until like week 12 or whenever when the season may be lost, may or may not be lost. But I think this is a good situation for him because I think he fits the scheme. I think that, that zone running scheme, zone blocking scheme is perfect for him. He has receivers. Um, and I think he has a situation to where, you know, you see Kirk Cousins not being able to move in the pocket, maybe throw a pick or two, receivers getting mad at him. I think you see a guy there who's mobile, who can, who's, who, who can, like I said, who can get the ball to receivers. I think Kellen Mond's going to have some uh, – you always see those fans who whoever the backup quarterback is, if their quarterback's bad, they love him, right? I think Kellen Mond's going to get a, some, some love in Minnesota for saying, just put him in. What, what, can, what can go wrong, right? And I think in preseason he's going to be a little interesting because – I think that's a really ideal situation. I think second round was a little too high. I didn't have him that high, but I like the fit. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and I think he was he was top of the third round. I think was so, he top of the third? Yeah, round? Okay, sixty sixth okay. overall. Okay, is, fair is enough. What I have in there. Fair so um, you know, fair. I think third is about where we were thinking for sure, him. Fair enough. And look, I, I mean, I kind of made this joke at the time, and there's kind of some truth to it. Uh, Kellen Mond's going to the NFL to play in an easier offense. <laughs> right, yeah. So, you know, it's it's I think that from that perspective it's going to help and I think that I think he could be a better uh NFL player than he's a college player. I can yeah. certainly see that. So so the guy who I felt like was I, I mean and, and this was going to happen, right? But the guy who I I saw him get drafted I'm like, "Okay. So what exactly has Bobby Brown done <laughs> to be drafted that Marvin Wilson went up undrafted?" Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I it's it's I don't know. Like it it's really jeez. Uh, I think that I probably know. at that spot that's probably about right where you Fair. kind of take a chance on but him. But when you look at the fact that Marvin Wilson didn't get drafted. <laughs> right. Right. That that's where it gets a little confusing for me because both these guys are obviously big dudes who move pretty well for their size. Yeah. I, I think that you watched AM's defense play and you kept wondering why the pressure wasn't coming from where Bobby Brown was, right? <laughs> right. You were kind of like, oh, this young kid named DeMarvin Leal is kind of owning the line. <laughs> right, right, right. And, I mean, he, I think that certainly you look at, uh, at Texas A&M's defensive line. I mean, they were good one through, like, seven at that position. Bobby Brown was kind of just a dude, mm-hmm. right? He was just kind of – I mean, we kind of expected him to keep growing into more. I, I mean, he kind of never did. Yeah, I think – it's interesting because I mean, obviously Marvin Wilson did not have the year that people thought he would. Right? No, he was no. he was a fir- he was a projected first, second round pick coming into the year. Pro- would have definitely got drafted last year um, if he came out in twenty twenty. Um, and of course, Florida State not being good didn't help either. But yeah, it, it's a lot to project on a Bobby Brown who, you know, I think they were both fine, right? I think Marvin Wilson just didn't live up to expectation. I don't know if Bobby Brown projected enough to be like, well, let's take him over, Marvin. You know, mm. it's really weird. Um, he was Marvin Wilson kind of was a victim of his own hype, I think. Yeah. Um, because he really was supposed to be, like, one of the best interior linemen in this draft, defensive linemen. The and, Dylan Moses effect. Right, exactly. Yeah, 100%. And, um, and then you end up just being okay for a pretty bad team. And, it, you know, it's weird. But, yeah, I, I don't know. That was uh, Bobby Brown definitely going over. I mean, 
getting going in the fourth round, the Bob and Marvin Wilson not getting drafted at all. Yeah, is uh, just a really weird one. Yeah, uh, and and the uh, the flip side of this, uh, a guy who I wasn't sure how NFL teams saw him, and I'm glad that they saw him right, Callen Granson. Yes, from SMU to the Colts. I oh. Listen, I know that's probably our job to hype up a kid like Kylan Granson, right. and that's probably our fault that we didn't do it enough, but I did not understand how people weren't like, that's the best, one of the best tight ends in the country. <laughs> right. what, uh, am I missing something? Yeah. Like, I, he's, he runs like a receiver, but is giant. Like, I, yep. <laughs> what, what, what are we waiting for? Yep. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, I mean, you look at SMU, they, they lose Kylan Granson, obviously, to the NFL. They're like, we got to get Grant Calcaterra. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> we get, and then they added a kid from Arizona State, too, right? Like, they yep. added multiple tight ends to be like, this is a big deal that we're losing We got to fix this. We, we have to fix this right now, right? Yeah. And Kylan Granson, the last couple of years, again, I, I mean, I think, sure, you could say that it's our job that we should have kept people better apprised of Kylan Granson. Sure, but, sure. But, man, he was special. Oh, my gosh. He was really, he's really good. And, like, I love, I love the fit. Like yeah. I love Indianapolis Colts. I'm, you know, whatever they try to do at quarterback, we'll see with uh, Carson Wentz. But I think they have a good coach. I think they have a guy who knows how to use tight ends. I think that they're going to be a lot of fun, and he's going to have a chance to make a difference early. Like I'm, I'm really a big fan of that one. Um, another one I'm a big fan of. You know, again, we'll see if he makes. This is kind of a. This is a, definitely a later pick. Sure. Jack Anderson going to Buffalo Bills. Why did he fall? I have no idea. I, I don't. Buffalo I, I had am a not top. an NFL scout. Right, right. I, I, yeah, I have exactly, no idea. What exactly. The hell? So, like, to me, it just could be like all these guys that I watched are good, and I feel like they all should be drafted. But like <laughs> Jack Anderson going to a team with a top ten offensive line already, and an emerging quarterback, and one of the best offensive play callers in the game right now, like that's a perfect fit. I feel like that he's going to be in the rotation, and I feel like similar to uh, uh, you know an Aaron Brewer at, 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 with Tennessee, where it's mm. like. Oh, this guy's just—he's the backup, you know—he's the backup uh, guard or tackle now, right? And it's just like, how did that happen? He fell to the seventh round. Like, where did that? Where did he come? You know, I feel like it's going to be one of those situations where he's going to be on the two deep. You're going to be like, jacket. Wait, you went to the seventh? That's what they let Buffalo get him. You know, I don't know. I when I saw him come off the board to Buffalo, I was like, done. Perfect. Yeah. Like, well, and actually, actually, and and let's close with this. Another kid, same team. They're going to let Marquez Stevenson learn you, from Stephon Diggs. That's that's what we're gonna Just do. Just give Josh Allen more weapons, I guess. <laughs> the NFL didn't learn in the in the sixth round. Yeah, they let Marquez Stevenson drop to the sixth. Because because here's the thing too, if Marquez Stevenson doesn't learn how to be a better receiver, which he's he's decent already. Yeah. So, so you're just going to let him be a punt returner? Right. <laughs> you're going to let that dude be a punt returner for yeah. the Buffalo Bills? Uh, come on. Yeah. How there were. <laughs> There were not, whatever, 202 players better in this draft than right. Marquez Stevenson. Right. There just weren't. You he gets know? to learn from Stephon Diggs. He gets to learn from Cole Beasley. He gets <sighs> to learn from, like, he's like, what do you want him to be? You want him to be a slot? Cole Beasley. You want it's, him to be a number, you know, you want him to develop out wide? Stephon Diggs. Like, I, this was, this was, this draft felt weirder than normal drafts to me. True. I, th- I think just because, I mean, it was. No combine, of, no a lot of things. Like, right. there was, there was, like, you, you're usually getting, like, the combine bump from a lot of guys who have sure. measurables and now it was, you know, they did their pro days and all that, but like, I don't know. Like there were a lot of guys who had the physic. I, I, I'm trying to think of, I'm not thinking about off the top of my head, but usually that was like a couple years ago where you would think of a guy who's like, Oh, he's fast and he'll get on people's boards. Cause he will run a four, three, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just knew that the combine would gin up a lot of these, a lot of the hype for some of these guys. And that really didn't happen this year. There wasn't really that, and you know that could be good or good or bad, right? There's mm-hmm. not always great to go off of measurables, right, but right. usually you see kind of an underrated guy blow up at the combine and be like, ah, finally people are right. seeing X, and that just didn't happen. Yeah, time. and I think for me too, I, I just look at the top of the draft, right? Like three quarterbacks in the top three, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever. A tight end at four. Look, I think Kyle Pitts is going to be amazing, but wow, the fourth overall pick, right? Uh, fifth and sixth drafting two receivers uh and with the second one with the dolphins drafting Jalen waddle who's gonna be amazing yeah but with the sixth overall pick that's that's a lot mm-hmm. and so it felt like in this draft too it felt like two of the top five prospects arguably in this draft were penesul who to me was the second best prospect arguably in the draft Fair. uh he was considered a generational lineman at oregon before he opted out the the 2020 season and rashawn slater you know i think that both those guys were arguably top five guys yeah. and uh they did not go in the top five. They went seventh and 13th. Yeah. So it was weird because it felt like 
I mean, again, like Jack Anderson feels like the type of kid who usually would go in the third round. Sure. You know, I mean, it feels almost like there was a devaluing almost of linemen mm -hmm. in, in this draft for whatever reason. And, and yeah, maybe it's because you don't get to see them up close and personal. Maybe it's that you don't get to see them work out. Like there were a lot of factors, right? I, I mean, you can't confirm, you know, if you're a kid like Jack Anderson, right? You can't confirm. Oh yeah. He's strong as hell. Right. <laughs> you know, when guys aren't coming and seeing him the same way. So it was a weird draft. It was a weird draft, but uh, excited uh, every year, excited to, to see more guys that we covered get opportunities. Um, I will say, how did how did they let the thing happen where Shane Michelle went to Kansas City? Who did that? I Whose idea I was don't, that? I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, why are we letting Andy Reid have good quarterbacks? <laughs> well, what if we didn't? Yeah. What, what, what if you just stopped? stopped right. Yeah. If any if Andy Reid says a quarterback looks at a quarterback and says, "Yeah, I'll have that," you should be panicking. Like yeah. you messed up yeah. somewhere yeah. because you didn't take that quarterback like, for sure. Oh my gosh, it's they're rebuilding the offensive line. They're getting they're, they're getting they're a good backup. Creed Humphrey. They're getting Creed. It's why are we letting Kansas City? Do, it should have been like a warning just to, to the rest of the league. Tampa Bay gave you the blueprint, and they're just letting Kansas City fix all of it. <laughs> Man, it's. It's going to be fun. I, it's fun seeing a lot more of these kids come and uh, and have an opportunity doesn't, to show their stuff. Doesn't Shane Bichelle strike you as the guy that, like, you know, Pat Mahomes has his one, like, little little nagging injury, misses a game, and then Shane Bichelle comes out, throws for 340, and then, like, the 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 Panthers just throw the, the bag at him next offseason. <laughs> like, it's like, he threw for, th like, I feel like we're in for, like, a Matt Flinning yeah. of, like, yeah. of, like, that. Well, I mean, the thing that I said uh, heading into the draft, right, is, like, Shane Bouchelle is like the perfect profile of quarterback who's still going to be in the league in ten years, right? Like the perfect. I mean, Garrett Gilbert's about to hit year eight. We're gonna, we're right. gonna. He's gonna be the Chase Daniels, Matt Flynn of right. his era. Like you're right. gonna be like, why? Why is everybody signing Shane Bouchelle? <laughs> right, and uh, and the answer is because he's an awesome kid who uh, who obviously knows everything and will coach anybody up. So yep. like, uh, man, they really let that happen. I. Good, good luck, NFL. Good job just passing on awesome players. Right. So, <laughs> every year, that, that is one part of it. It always makes me mad. But, uh, but anyway, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Make sure and watch Sam Houston versus South Dakota State. It's going to be 1 p.m. at Toyota Stadium in Frisco, and it's actually going to be broadcast live on ABC. Nice. One thing that's been super cool is, uh, is that Sam Houston specifically – has gotten a lot of exposure on national TV. They got ESPN against North Dakota State. They got ABC last week against James Madison. Um, you know, I, I think it's been really good for that program. And I think that, you know, the way that they won both of those games, too, I think it's been tremendous exposure for the program. Now they're going to have an opportunity to do it again on ABC. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're actually going to roll four deep there. We've got uh, me and Corey are going as writers. We've got Zach Bird as a photographer and Brendan McAuliffe as a photographer. So nice. I don't think anybody's going to be doing better coverage from Frisco, Texas than Dave Campbell's Texas Football. So there make sure make sure and check us out at TexasFootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DZTFCFB. Become a subscriber at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. One thing, too. I, feel, I, I guess that this is something that people do in podcasts that I always forget to do. Uh, please subscribe yes. <laughs> to the podcast if you haven't done that as yet. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. Uh, make sure and subscribe to our website, textfootball.com slash subscribe. Leave a five-star review if you're on Apple Podcasts as well. We want more people to find our podcast. And, yeah, I mean, if you're into the idea, too, of us doing a live show, I mean, that's something that we're definitely thinking about. We'd love to see you there. So that'll be something happening probably closer to football season. Mm -hmm. That's not that's not imminent. Uh, but otherwise... Listen, we're hard at work on the magazine. We're right in the midst of it. Uh, but we have to get on out here and make sure and, and talk about Sam Houston because it's not every day that a team in the state of Texas plays for a national championship. So, for Johnson, I'm Shahan Jayaraja. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon.